You're listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast. The OPP is brought to you by Natural Stacks, makers of 100% natural and open source supplements designed to help you live optimal. For more information on how to build optimal mental and physical performance into your life, go to naturalstacks.com. Oh, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Optimal Performance Podcast. On today's episode, we're joined by author, coach, mentor, Craig Ballantyne. Craig wrote The Perfect Day Formula as well as Unstoppable, and he also runs workshops, mastermind groups, and also does coaching for high-achieving people. This guy is really known for his level of organization and the way that he attacks every single day with laser focus and execution. On this episode, we cover how important it is to plan every single day and as far ahead in advance as possible. We talk about the power of singular focus because those things, those side projects, those things that we that we that we think we need to do take up a large amount of our mental bandwidth and just slow us down from executing on the important things. We talk about turning weakness into strength and the power of transformation. Also about psychology and how when you can understand people a little bit better and understand understand yourself a little bit better, you can advance in a faster way. We talk about his favorite Stoic philosopher, Epictetus, and also we talk about the power of hiring a coach, how we can use a coach to lean on because those people who we can turn to who are just a little bit further down the road than we are, how we can learn from them and execute so that the various areas of our lives can improve dramatically. We also talk a little bit about balance and the concept of how, how is, is balance important? Um, is it important to you? How is it that you feel balanced? This is a really cool episode, and this is just another example of how I want to bring to you episodes with guests that are highly targeted so that you can get the most out of your life. And Craig is right in line with my core values of personal optimization. You can learn more about what Craig is up to at craigballantine.com or you can send him an email, craig at thegodfather.com. Pretty good uh, email domain name. You can check out my action, Real Sean McCormick on Instagram and seanmccormick.com. And without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Craig Valentine. You're listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast, and I'm your host, Sean McCormick. It's the OPP. I'm a performance coach, a wellness entrepreneur, a blogger, a speaker, a biohacker, and it's my privilege to bring to you the leading experts in the field of performance. So let's dig right in. And we're here with Craig Ballantyne. Craig, welcome to the Optimal Performance Podcast. Hey, this is going to be a lot of fun, Sean. So I'd like to start the first question with each of my guests, which is, what have you put in your body today? What have you consumed? I consumed some kombucha, some scrambled eggs, some spinach, olive oil, some pineapple, a green smoothie, whey protein, uh, Quest Bar, some cashews, and a little bit of leftover steak, and some more spinach and some fruit. Nice. Are you uh, are you uh, ketogenic? God no. No, I mean I guess with the fruit, it's not uh, not really a keto approach. No, neither with the Quest Bar. Right. Right. I don't think the kombucha would count either. There's calories in it. Yeah. I think there's sugar in it. 
How about um, uh, nootropics, vitamins, supplements, anything, uh, anything like that? No. No, not your thing. So I think that, um, I think, you know, because you have made a name for yourself, you do so many things so well. And just to consume your content on Instagram alone is to see somebody who is highly efficient and highly effective. And so I think a lot of our conversation is going to be about how people can optimize their time. And I know that you you wrote a whole book about it. Um, How do you, um, can you walk us through um, a little bit of, of, of your first book in, in how people can create their own perfect day? Yeah, I think one of the most important things, Sean, is if we, you know, we don't want to jump into an entire thing in the book, but the planning, the planning is so key. And the more that I work with high performers like yourself and like so many people listening to this show, my goodness, I will find a commonality between you in that you do planning the night before, but you don't just do a little bit of planning. You do very precise planning and you'll do weekly planning. And my goodness, that is such an important part of being productive and efficient because you know what you're going to get done. You know what matters. You generally have singularity of focus. Hopefully you've identified magic time or deep work time during the day when you're more creative, more productive, more efficient than any other time of day, and you block that off. And it's again, that's all because you planned and prepared. And that's really the key. It's much like anybody who's into any particular nutrition approach, you got to plan and prepare. I mean, all those things that I listed off, I had them in the fridge. If I didn't have them in the fridge, I'd be like, oh, I'll just just go and get something around the corner and I would get something junky probably. So when you plan and prepare your meals, your workouts, your day, that's when you become very, very successful. Do you, how long is your pre-day before the next day planning period? How long do you, do you set aside time to plan? I wouldn't say that I really set aside that much time at all because it's, all planned well in advance. Like I know it, I I have a general way that every single day looks unless I'm traveling. And so in the morning I do my writing and then I break for the gym and then in the afternoon I do calls. And so really my team just puts the people in the calls in the afternoon or the filming, whatever it is. And all of that stuff, it's like this giant template. And I think you know, I've worked in the corporate world and I've worked as a personal trainer and I've worked as an entrepreneur. So I know that most people's days tend to look the same. And so we can build that general template out for our week. And then we fit in the specifics very quickly, either the night before or a couple of days before. So I have my days well planned out for weeks right now. I generally know what I'll be doing with the exception of the specific writing that I'll be doing in the morning. So the night before, you know that you're going to wake up and write about X topic or Y topic. 100%, 100%. And I do a little bit of planning for it so that I believe your subconscious mind works overnight. So I wake up and the words pour out of me. Nice. One term that you used, which I've heard you use before, which I really, really like, I would love for you to tell us a little bit more about the singularity of focus. What does that, what does that mean? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not the first person, the only person. There's so many people that have talked about it from Gary Keller and The One Thing and Warren Buffett and Bill Gates. They, they all talk about this stuff. It's a singularity of focus and, and 
I think at a an event one time, both Gates and Buffett were asked about one of the secrets to success, and they both said focus. Because if you don't have focus and you're working on multiple projects, whether you're multitasking or whether you have you know five priorities every day, you know you're just not going to be able to to really dive deep on those things, whatever they are, and become a master at them. And so we must do that. We must chop, chop, chop away. That is one of the greatest skills of very successful people. In fact, when Steve Jobs was still around, he was asked what he was most proud of. And as Elijah goes, he didn't say, oh, I'm really proud of this, that or the other thing. He said, I'm most proud of what we did not do. Most proud of what we did not do. And so what that means is, you know, he was getting pitched to do the iWatch and all this stuff years and years and years ago. But hey, let's make this iPhone thing like a world changer. And they did. And they did by having singularity of focus. And so that is very important, whether you're doing this for um, nutrition, whether you're doing this for making money, whether you're doing this for writing a book, you have to have singularity of focus. And when you chop away a lot of the things that are taking mental energy, leak, mental, mental energy leaks is what they call them. So if you have if you have a main business and you're like trying to do a side hustle, you know, that like if you spend 20 percent of your time on something else, it's not really 20 percent of your time. It's more like 40 or 50 percent of your time, because while you're working on the main thing, you're thinking of the other thing. And so I just get ruthless about it. I, I push my clients super hard. I, I must sound like a broken record and they must get frustrated with me. But I just tell them, stop doing that. And, you know, or stop. No, don't. You're not allowed to do that new project that you're thinking of. Just stop. And uh, it works. You know, when I get my clients focused on it, you know, they it, it's kind of like when you go off caffeine, if you ever have. And when you go off caffeine, you have a bit of a withdrawal. And when people go off their multiple projects, they have a bit of a withdrawal. But then they come out the other side with more profit, more success, whatever it is. Yeah, I'm definitely guilty of that. Uh, two podcasts. I mean, I, I have not built systems and structures that let's. We, we don't need to make this about me, Craig, but um, I, I'm guilty of it. Uh, as as you know, two podcasts, coaching clients. You know, I've got, sure. I've got fitness goals and um, uh, parenthood goals, and 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 you're right. It's really easy. The mental bandwidth of it's pulling me a little bit out of out of my focus. Um, where you're right, that 20% turns just steamrolls, just bubbles up and, and, and permeates into everything else. Totally. Yeah. So it's really important just to get one major goal for each of the major areas of life, one major goal for family, one major goal for wealth, one major goal for fitness, one major goal for personal development or personal enrichment or whatever you want to do, whether it's charity work or whether it's writing or reading and, and be willing to understand that even among those four, there's still one that's going to be the most important of them all. And once you understand that, once you set clear expectations, not only with other people, but in your own head, then you you lose way less energy to, you know, fear of missing out and that sort of stuff. You just have to commit and then say, OK, by committing to writing this book this year, I understand my income might decrease by 20 percent, but I'm doing it so that my income will increase 200 percent next year. And, and you have to like write that out. You have to put that down. You have to carry that with you all the time because there's going to be those days of doubt and those moments when you're just like, oh, what if I just, you know, went and created a, a new product and, you know, made some quick money? Well, you know, then you set the book back three months and so on and so forth. So 
It, it is that singularity of focus. It is that slashing, ruthless slashing and cutting of stuff that doesn't matter. And you only are able to do that if you know what truly matters to you, if you have really strong values and a really strong vision for your life because those drive every decision going forward. Yeah. What, what's your singular area of focus right now? It is singularly about helping a thousand entrepreneurs in 2019 to grow their businesses, so double their personal income and work 10 hours less. And uh, last year we helped 335, so this year we, we need to triple that, but we're, and we're working on some projects. And I think right now we're on pace for about 700, so we have to, uh, we're, we ha but we haven't even unleashed a brand new product. So it's, it's, um, you know, it's the bullseye and we're moving ahead towards it. And that's almost all our conversations are around it. It's it, unsurprisingly, you know, where you're trending, you know, you know that, you know, how close to your target you actually are. Um, how can this, does this yeah, and I get very depressed when I, when I, <laughs> when I don't, when I'm not on track. Yeah. What, what, what does happen to you when you know that, that you're not, you're not, um, at the pace that you want, like, I'm, I'm clearly you found ways and created ways to buckle down and refocus. But how does that creep in and negatively affect your life? How does it manifest in your life when you're not doing quite what you think you should be doing? I just feel a little down on the inside. I don't think it really manifests into anything else. I don't change my habits. I don't take it out on anybody. I just feel like someone who's not doing the best that they can. And, and, you know, it's not, I wouldn't say it's feeling a hypocritical, like, um, I've, I've done stuff in the past that made me feel hypocritical, but I would say this time it's just, I feel like I'm letting myself down and I feel like I'm letting a, a couple of my mentors and friends down. But other than that, it's all internal. Does your thought framework and, and, and your approach to productivity, does it apply to people who work nine to fives as well? Oh, 100%. 100%. Because I once did work a nine to five. And I was the person who was, I was the first person in the office. And, you know, sometimes I stayed a little bit later, but being the first person in the office allowed me to totally dominate the day. And I wasn't running around all crazy and stressed out like everybody else was. And, you know, I also beat traffic. And I was never late. And it was just planning and preparation, planning and preparation. I got promoted faster. I got raises faster. And, you know, I just I became a manager over a guy who was there for like 10 years before me. And it was just the formula works. I mean, it, so here's the funny thing is my worst review on Amazon for my perfect day formula is from a woman with one kid. And she's like, I'm a mom. This doesn't work for me. Blah, blah, blah. My best review on Amazon is from a woman with three kids who said, this is amazing. It changed my life. Amazing. So if you don't want to believe that this will work, what I say, you will find a way that whatever I'm saying is, it's untrue. It won't work for you. Fine. Go listen to another podcast. I don't care. But if you are open-minded and that's pretty much 99.9% .9 of the people here, then yeah, you will find a way to make some of this work, if not all of this work, but most importantly, you'll make some of these big levers move and really, really move mountains in your life. When did you first realize that you were made up a little bit differently than sort of the average 
go-getter entrepreneur? Like, did, was there a moment in your life where you realized, okay, I think about things a little bit differently. My my engine burns a little bit hotter. Like, did, did you did you have a moment where you sort of knew that you were cut out to do great things? Yeah, when I was five years old, and I'm not joking. Five years old, I'm walking with my cousins, and I hear this voice in my head say, "You are special." I'm not joking. So I knew then. Was it your voice or was it someone else's voice? Wasn't mine. Okay. Wasn't mine. And and I really don't have any like spiritual preferences. It was just maybe it was my maybe it was just my ego. I don't know. But uh, and but it was totally random because we were like just playing. Huh. And you remember it really clearly, huh? Clearly enough. I mean, I don't know if you can. It's not like I could see it, but I remember. I remember the moment. You know. <laughs> do you think? Yeah. Do you think that there are other people? that maybe have had those moments of realization or clarity or epiphany where they say, I am meant for more. I am meant for better. I do need to apply myself. I do need to create more structure. And that maybe they suppress that or don't honor that. Do you think that that's common? Yes, I, w I would say, well, I mean, a hundred percent. I mean, I, I hear from those people every day who, who want to do more and this, that, and the other thing. And then they're like, oh, and I, wa I watch way too much TV and I'm really lazy, ha, ha, ha. And it's like, <laughs> how can you laugh at that? How can you laugh at that? It just drives me bananas. Um, and so, you know, at the end of, people always say, oh, at the end of your life, you're never going to wish you spent another day in the office, which is not true. There's lots of people who will say that. And because they could have helped more people or something, or they could have made more money and not, you know, died with nobody around them while eating cat food or something. And so, the, but there is no one who's going to, at the end of the life, going to go, man, I watch so much TV. I watched every episode of Gilligan's Island. I saw Game of Thrones twice and I didn't miss a single episode of The Office. What a life I had. Peace out. Like no one's going to say that. No one. And so, when all these people are suppressing their greatness with TV and all this junk, uh, they're taking the path of least resistance. And it's sad because, you know, I feel for them like the way I feel for myself when I haven't had a good day in my own business. So beyond Game of Thrones twice, <laughs> Gilligan's Island, I love that reference. Uh, what are some other things that people do to either bullshit themselves or that slow them down. Like what what other things are getting in the people are getting in people's way of living the life they want? Uh, definitely shiny object syndrome. Definitely the FOMO stuff, where they just which then leads them to chasing shiny objects. Definitely social media and also just general sheer laziness. I mean, at the end of the day, people. A lot of people say, I want X, Y, Z, but they are unwilling to do it. They are not trained to do it. You know, everybody wants to lose 20 pounds. They don't do it. They know how to do it. It's not like it's magic. It is just you need to do things that are going to have a suck factor. And they don't do it. And that's fine because, you know, I wouldn't have done what it took to be a Navy SEAL. But I understood that and didn't try and do it. So, Again, that comes back to the expectations. It, don't walk around saying and, and thinking in your head that you're going to be super successful if you're not willing to pay the price. 
you just understand what you're, what price you're willing to pay and say, okay, that's where I'm going to get to. And, and, you know, most of all, make it a good life. Yeah. Do you think that there's a sweet spot for people for where the time in their life, or does it not matter whether you're 65 retired or, uh, 18 just graduated high school? Is there, is there a, is there a peak time in people's lives where they can really create these quality habits that will propel them forward? I think that we can do that throughout our entire lives. I mean, I love hearing these stories of people that take up stuff at 65, 70, you know, somebody who runs their first marathon at 80 or something, you know, and, and I mean, that's, that's living life. And, and as long as you are being productive, whatever you believe that to be and having a positive or at least a neutral (laughs) contribution to society and not a negative contribution to society, Go and live, go and live the life according to your expectations and your beliefs and your dreams and desires and, and never stop, you know, seeking to, you know, I, I think you should never stop seeking to be a better person, but, um, you know, it's, uh, everybody's got their own decision on what that's going to be. Can you tell us a little bit about how you began your journey into finding and seeking resources and finding um, uh, seminal texts that really helped you grow into the person that you are? Ooh, I would say, I would say that uh, a lot of it was actually university social psychology. I took a lot of psychology in university. I haven't really read a lot of personal development books. I have read psycho cybernetics, but I haven't read like any Tony Robbins stuff for, um, trying to think. I just haven't really read a lot. I don't watch a lot of video either. I just um, I probably am more on the actual psychology side and then more on the fitness side of things, which you then translate over to personal development, I think. So what what is it about your own psychology um, that helped you sort of um – craft your path forward like what what elements of psychology really resonate with you and when it comes i'm sorry to put you on the spot i didn't you may not have expected that we were going to take a walk down memory lane and back into your college days but but what what sort of concepts really resonate with you i believe unlike most people like most people will default to the cliche that a leopard can never change its spots and i disagree with that i think that people can change and just by running so many transformation contests in my fitness business, you know, we, we had 32 contests. We had, you know, a couple hundred people in each one. So I've read all of these essays from thousands of people about how they changed over the course of 12 weeks. And you can't have a physical transformation without making a mental transformation as well. And now these days I, I see the same sort of thing when I help people become good on video that they go from being, you know, lacking a confidence to having much, much greater confidence, let alone particular articulations and the ability to have better small talk and all this stuff just by doing better on video. And so I believe that we can change all the time. And psychology really shows you that. I mean, it just shows you like, hey, you know, if you do put this person in this environment, they can change for the better or the worse. Um, you know, there's some very famous studies about how people became very bad people because they were encouraged to do bad things, uh, you know, from back in the sixties. And so 
it really is about the environment. And I think that's one of the things that I've taken you know, from the weight loss studies. Whenever I, whenever people were going to a boot camp or whenever they were active in an online forum, they got more results than the people who tried to go it solo. And I've gone to a whole bunch of events over the years. And the more people I meet, the better my life becomes. Very much like you doing your podcast. The more interesting people that you interview, the more the greater you become. And that's, that's key. So environment is, is massive, massive component of your destiny. And whether it's, uh, you know, psychologically induced or whether it's just, you know, our social environment, it's going to make a huge change, a huge difference for you. And that's what's allowed me to make a lot of changes in my life too. Yeah. Yeah. That sort of begs the question. Um, are there, are there mentors or figures or authors that you, you know, you told me that you, you know, you, you haven't read Tony Robbins and stuff like that, but you know, I know some of the, you know, some of this, some of the people, especially like in the fitness industry that you, that you rub shoulders with and that work with and collaborate and partner with, um, which, who else do you look up to, um, for inspiration? I look to Bedros Koulian for sure. So Bedros and I have spent a lot of time together. I look to Joel Marion, who's my friend. I get a lot of um, big ideas from Ed Milet. Like one of the things that we've kind of talked about today is so, something that Ed always says. It's like you, you know, eventually, you, you know, when you when you pass on, you know, he believes that uh, you know God is going to introduce you to the person that you could have been. So essentially, your best self. And Ed's belief is that every day he wants to work towards becoming that best self. And I really love that idea. Uh, Jim Rohn actually has a quote about it as well. I actually just wrote a note about this the other day, so I'm going to find it because yeah. there's, a, you know, there's a quote from Epictetus. who That's, a, that's actually a, a really huge influence on my life is Epictetus, a Stoic philosopher from 2,000 years ago. And yeah. so, so I, I have this – so if you go to the past – Epictetus says, first, first say to yourself what you would be and then do what you have to do. That's essentially life, you know, about the expectations and all that stuff. Say to yourself what you would be. Okay, I'm going to be this, this and this and, you know, keep it laser focused and then go do what you have to do. And that's how people should get, live a good life. Then Jim Rohn had a quote that was similar. It says, the big challenge is to become all that you have the possibility of becoming. You cannot believe what it does to the human spirit to maximize your human potential and stretch yourself to the limit. Great. Hmm. Uh, you know, Jim Rohn was a, a legend. He has so many great quotes. And then the future, this is um, Ed Milet. So the past, present, and the future. So I am chasing a man. The man I am chasing is the better version of myself. The man I am capable of becoming. The man I was put on this earth to be. That's Ed Milet's quote. So those things, you know, those three quotes are how... You know, I think it'd be good for most people to kind of abide by that and think, you know what, I was put here with this, this and this talent. And, you know, if I put some work into it, I can become pretty good at a bunch of things. And, you know, that's how you should live your life, essentially. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and typically, you know, the best advice, especially stoic philosophy, is simple and also profound at the same time. It's not overly complex. It's it's uh, it's to the point. It's on the nose. Now go do it. Go do something about it. Yeah, exactly. I, I, you know, I you know I found I found that that we especially really highly intelligent people, um, they can intellectualize 
what they need to do and what they need to be. And they have this ability to visualize themselves operating at a high level. And some of these are my clients and some of these are people that I just, uh, that I just know. And, and at the same time, those very smart people can also talk themselves out of just about anything. They can, they can decide uh, in an instant to do something that doesn't necessarily serve their highest self or serve their highest purpose, but they can talk themselves into it. Um, do you notice that too? Do you no- do you notice that that people who have this potential to be excellent also have a way of bullshitting themselves? Yeah, I have a very politically incorrect uh, story about that. And so I'm in the fitness world for most of you know early in my career, and I I would always say that. If you go to one of these bodybuilding shows or fitness competitions, the people who win are not the sharpest tools in the box. Why do they win? It's because they get advice from their coach and they go and do exactly what they're told and then they go back to their coach and ask for more advice. The smart people, they think they get the advice from the coach and they think, oh, I know how to make this better. And then they go and do something that screws it up and the people who like can barely read win the contest because they just did what they were told. And instead of like, you're too smart for your own good sometimes. So people listening right now are going, Oh my gosh, that is me. I (laughs) am too smart for my own good. Uh, And you know what? You probably got some really, really smart people on here who are like spinning their wheels. It's like, why are you not more successful? And, and I always say there are so many dumb people making more money than me right now. Why? Because they take the advice of their coach and they go and do it. And we see this all the time. You're like, how is that person? How is that person making a quarter million dollars a year? It's because they're not overthinking things. So stop overthinking. If you get good advice, don't, you know, not don't try and make it better now. Go and do it first. And then after you've done it and you've gotten results, then you can play around with it if you want. But that's right. essentially the answer to that one. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's great advice. How, how, how can we know when we're getting good advice or not? Is that a fair question even? Yeah, it's definitely a fair question. Uh, you, you should, you should, I, when I, when I, people ask me, what, what should I do when I get it, go and get a, get a coach? Well, you should get a coach who has been there and done that, achieved what you want to achieve. You should get a coach who has, who shares your morals and ethics because someone can get your results in many areas in life by doing things that make your stomach turn. So it's not just about getting results. It's also about sharing your morals and ethics. The third thing is you need to check references. You need to go to all the people that actually this is interesting. So somebody the other day hired me because they had been investigating another coaching program and on the website it says you know, this person has a picture of this person who was their friend, this, you know, my, my current client, their friend. And it said, you know, this person's making hundreds of thousands of dollars per year. So my client asked this person, Hey, are you really making this much money? It says on this website, on your coach's website that you're making this much money. And the person's like, no, I'm not making that much money. And so the, the person was like, ah, I guess I'm not joining that coaching program. And you know, that is something that every person should do, whether you're getting a plumber or a babysitter or a dog walker, you check references. Same with your coaches. So that's the third thing. And fourth, you should be able to have good rapport with them. So whether you go to their event and you get to know them, 
whatever, you jump on a call with them or you just watch their videos or you listen to their podcast and you go, yeah, I could probably get along with this person. Great. Those things are the basis of finding a person who's going to give you good advice. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, th- that is good advice. Yeah. I mean, make a phone call, figure it out. Yeah. Exactly. Investigate a little bit. Yeah. Because you're right. I mean, um, it may look good. It may smell good. It may seem like a good idea, but if it's, if it's smoke and mirrors and, and there's a lot of people online who are really good marketers, really slick, their funnels are dialed, their copy is great. You're inspired and, uh, and, and it may not be quite as it seems. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hopefully most people are, but definitely, you know, some people just caught up and it's like oh you know we'll just round up from a hundred thousand to five hundred thousand it's just around <laughs> you know it's just a rounding error you know obviously that's wrong but people get caught up in the moment and comparing themselves to others and like you know it's a race to hyperbole uh, you know it's unfortunate and it's not acceptable but we do need to be aware of it for sure yeah um i'd like to hear a little bit about the book writing process um, how, how has, how has it changed in, 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 in shifting your focus from the perfect day formula? What was it like writing that? What was the impetus? What was the, what was the spark that made you want to do that? And then how has that shifted into, into the most recent work? So the, the first book is basically about, I was coaching people on a lot and it's just like how to get more done. And I had no idea what I was doing. I just wrote a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, I was kind of like at a give up point and I was like, I have, you know, 300 pages and I have like 20 chapters and I don't know how to tie them all together. And so my friend introduced me to an editor and he edited the book and sent me back 110 pages out of the 300 that I wrote. So I wasted a whole bunch of time. Um, so I learned that way that really the, <laughs> a, a good book is really about the outline spend a lot of time on the outline, much like planning a great day. You know, having a great day is all about the planning before it. Writing a great book is about having a great outline. And you might think like, oh, I'll just go in sequential order. Now, these editors do have a really good talent in outlining books. So in the second book, uh, I was getting some help from somebody and we did it the audio talk your book type thing where they interview you, you talk and then they record it and then they transcribe it and then they write up the book. And that was good because it got this stuff out of my head, but I actually ended up rewriting almost every sentence because it wasn't in my voice properly. So I still haven't perfected writing the book. Um, but that those were the approaches that I took. Got it. Got it. So you're not quite your, 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 your composition, system structure is not quite it's still a work in progress it sounds like yeah i think i think we got it for the next one though because i'm I've, I've got a guy who writes in my voice really well and i've given him the outline i've given him transcripts and i think this one's going to go a lot faster it's also a very straightforward pragmatic type book so i think this one will be the easiest on me that's for sure nice yeah, that's good. That's something to look forward to now that you know that like, okay, I've done two of these and uh, there's more coming and I'm still getting better and improving my, my process. 
Yeah. And so, you know, like James Patterson, is that the guy's name? James Patterson, the guy, he like writes a, a best-selling book every year, but he's not, he doesn't do it like the writing anymore. So I think he just has all these people writing. And John C. Maxwell has some approach too, where he cranks out a ton of books and I'm sure eventually I'll figure it out and be able to be as prolific as those guys. Cause I got a lot of ideas. That's for sure. Yeah. And that's nice. What's one, what's one idea that we can look forward to in like six years that in six, well, definitely, definitely the <laughs> operator mindset will probably be okay. three years from now. The operator mindset for sure. Does that come from the from the the owning of gyms and boot camp stuff? No, it comes or more from it? Navy SEAL stuff. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah, and so like just a quick overview of it. So Navy SEAL would be, and I'm, I'm Canadian. I don't even know anything about Navy Navy SEALs, but Bedros <laughs> is really into them. I know a couple of them. Um, but essentially, like this is the way I think of it is that when a Navy SEAL is put into a mission, that's their objective and they are an operator. You know, that's what they are called. They're, we have an operator and, you know, he's in enemy territory and he's on the mission and he's going to complete the objective. And when you're that operator, all you're doing is focused on the mission objective. You're not getting, you know, singularity of focus. You're not getting distracted. So what does that mean for? The business owner or the business person that travels and has meetings and has a seminar and you know wants to come home and be fresh for their family. Well, I, you know I have a lot of coaching clients and I would hear from them that they go on the road, right? And, and and I've seen this. You've probably seen this too. Like you go into the airport and as soon as like grown adults get past security, they they think they're like at a carnival or something and they're eating junk, like. Like yeah. I saw, you know, somebody eating a hot dog at an airport, like a business person. Like, what are you eating a hot? Like, there's other stuff to eat here. Don't eat a cheap hot dog from the airport. Anyway, so, you know, they go in the airport and, and it's like a free for all. Now, like, oh, I'm away from home. They're like a 13 year old kid. And they're so they're eating junk. And then they go to the seminar and they stay up till two o'clock in the morning at the bar and they get hammered. And then they get, you know, they pick up something on the way home and they're sick for a week when they get home. And, you know, they can't spend time with their kids and they're all cranky and they're way behind in their work. And I'm like, listen, grow up and be an operator. And so when I travel, I know exactly where the protein bars are and the nuts are and in my backpack and I buy water and I got hand wipes and, you know, all this stuff because I'm not getting sick. I can't afford to get sick. And I'm an operator. I'm going on a business trip for an objective and I'm not going to get hammered. At a, at a holiday inn bar after the event, you know? So, so just anyways, that'll be in the book. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's probably a lot of people listening to this right now going, Oh God, how does he know? Yeah. How does he know me? How does he know me so well? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or they're I mean, laughing about, Oh I travel with that guy all the time. I know that guy. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like people that want to drink in an airport. I can't imagine anything stupider than wanting to drink giant beers before going on a four-hour flight. Like, there's there are stupider things, like, you know, sticking your hand in a rotating fan or something, but that's pretty stupid. So, you know, but everybody knows so that many. person. Everybody knows oh, that person. So many people do that. We, I mean, yeah, we all, we all know that person. And, oh, man, yeah, there's a lot of people – laughing right now listening to this because and, and that guy's always wearing his football jersey on sunday in the in the airport that's my, my that's my least 
I, I refuse to fly on a Sunday afternoon. It's just it's the most <laughs> it's the most depressing place in the world. An airport on a Sunday afternoon with everybody with their football jerseys on and drinking beer and eating fried food. Uh, so oh, sad. Oh God. Oh. Yes, I know. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah, that's that's a that's a weird. <laughs> that's so it's so common too. Ah. Uh, oh. Give them, give them bread. What is the, what's the oh, bread and the circuses? Give, bread and circuses. Distract them. Just yeah. stay distracted. Um, what's the hardest part for you, um, for uh, about being being a coach? Stopping, I guess. You know, like it's so it's so much fun to solve other people's problems, and it's like I could take another phone call, but you know, you shouldn't take another phone call or answer another email. Um, or, you know, step in and solve somebody's problem when they should really solve it on their own. You know, like, you know, like somebody sent me an email today and it's like, you know, I, I, I went six for six on sales calls last week and this week I'm 0 for 2. And, you know, it's like they were going to jump off a building. I was like, come on, man. I, was just like, I, I, I just told them to, like, reread this email. You're going to be OK. And then go read a couple go go read a couple pages of Relentless by Tim Grover Reread this email as if one of your clients sent it to you. Yeah. And then you'll get a better perspective on things. You'll be okay, my man. You'll be okay. So I just love what I do. I could work all, all the time. You know, for, for someone like yourself who's so pragmatic about reaching goals and, and executing on systems and frameworks, like do you, do you schedule – you know, a two hour chunk on a Tuesday afternoon that's got nothing in it so that you can just like stare at the wall or meditate or take a nap or anything like that? No, I more look at it as uh, small breaks within the day. So, I mean, I grew up on a farm. That's what you do is you work. I, I'm just not like, I don't need a retreat. I, I'm, I'm good. So uh, I need to get up and move around. That's what I need more than, than, I don't know, recovery. I, I, I need intermissions. I need TV timeouts. I need water. I need, uh, I need that stuff. I don't, uh, I don't need long breaks off. Do you, do you, do you literally schedule in short breaks throughout your day? I just make sure I don't have more than two calls back to back if they're an hour long. Yeah. I, you know, like at least a half an hour, usually an hour in between. So, you know, I don't do a lot of calls in a day. I'll probably do five at the most. And then, um, and I, I think I only have five time slots open on my calendar for most days. And then as long as I get my writing in the morning, that's really, really gets me uh, regenerative. And then uh, a long walk and a workout and, you know, the, the nutrition that I talked about before. So I'm not killing myself. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more, um, without giving away the goose, um, about the two hours in the morning as that sort of peak productivity time? How does that work? Well, it doesn't have to be two hours. Um, it's It just needs to be enough time for you to make significant progress on whatever it is you do. So, I mean, I literally get up in the morning and I go right to work. I don't do anything. So, I'm like, you know, I don't do any nootropics. I don't really use any supplements. I don't do any stuff to like prime myself. I just go to work. And that's like, again, you know, like I grew up on a farm, you get up and you go to work. Cows don't take a day off from eating. So you kind of got to show up. And that's the same way that I look at my stuff. 
And I don't think that I could be, I don't think I could do a better job if I did anything else that got me in some state or anything, because I'm pretty fired up and ready to go when I get to work. So, so I just go right to work and I had done the planning the night before so that it's really pours out of me and I just yeah. am well practiced at it as well. I'm trying to think of, you know, cause I guess everybody's schedule is different. Everybody's demands and lifestyle is different, but to, but to have that. Well, yeah. one of the most important things, Sean, is making sure that there's no distractions yeah. because <laughs> there, there's a great, uh, funny quote that's like, people can do anything, anything. They can accomplish anything they want as long as it's not the thing they're actually supposed to be doing. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's true because most people, okay, listen, you've got this thousand word report that's due by noon today. Oh, cool. I'm going to go and, and write three chapters for my book that I haven't been working on. <laughs> you know, like people will do that instead, or they will clean their house, you know, spick and span spotless instead of doing the work they're supposed to be doing. So, you know, lock yourself in a room if you have to. But that's how you get things done. I actually heard this amazing story about some author who booked a flight to Tokyo and a return flight immediately to write a book. I thought that was the greatest thing ever because oh. I know that's so true. You can do that. Oh. And it's a true story. I can't remember the name of the author, but she did it. And I would I, I would love to shake her hand and say, well done, wow. because that is so awesome. That's, that is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Right. If I know, I know, I know how productive I can be on an airplane. Sure. I'm just going to do it. I can afford it. It's within my means. I'm going to go to Tokyo and back because I know that I'm going to get a shit done done. Yeah. Really? Talk about a hack. There's a hack for you. And, and <laughs> no but again, kidding. the hack really is environment is everything. Yeah. Environment is everything. Environment is everything. And I, I was talking about this today on one of my own podcasts. Environment is everything both locally and globally. And what that means is environment is everything locally, like within arm's reach right now. So if you're sitting at your desk or the next time you are at your desk, spread your arms out as far as you can. What can you grab? Anything that you can grab is a distraction. So if the phone is within reach, if the M&Ms are within reach, whatever, anything within reach, it's like having a child, right? You know, you don't leave like a stun gun within arm's reach of a three-year-old. And because that's bad news. And so you need to look locally. So what's within what's in your office that distracts you? Get rid of it. And then globally, environment is everything. And that's people. So who are the yeah. people you're spending your time with? If if you make a quarter million dollars a year and everyone that you spend your time with makes 60 grand a year, you're probably not going to be making a quarter million dollars for much longer or you won't keep any of that money. If you're making a quarter million and you only spend time with people making seven figures or more, you're not going to be making a quarter million dollars for much longer. You're going to be making more. And so that's that's how environment is everything. So whatever it is you want to get done, just fix your environment for it. And I'm pretty sure James Clear talks about this in his book, Atomic Habits, which is a which is supposed to be a really great book. I haven't read it, but, you know, because I kind of get it. But it's like this is what you want to accomplish. You change your identity to do it. You change your environment. And with your new in, in, new identity, new environment, there's no obstacles in the way. And you can really accomplish great things as long as you have singularity of focus. One of the things that I've heard you talk about, which again is is a, you know, um, I don't know if it's a universal truth or, or a sort of a common piece of wisdom, but turning weakness into strength. 
Can you can you give us some insight on how you how you like to think about that? I look at it as you know everybody's got flaws, right? And so how can you take your flaw? And it's not necessarily turning. I know I, I know I said turn your flaw into a strength, but I think it's it's the the process of making your flaw, you know, overcoming your flaw, turning that into a strength. And if you can have the strength of transforming yourself, of improving yourself, then that then becomes the strength. So you're fueled by your weaknesses to become stronger. Now, you know, I am never going to be the most extroverted person in the world, but I recognize myself as introverted in some ways that were not serving me. And I use the strength of transforming to transform that, but to also transform my speaking ability, to transform my ability to be a better coach, to do a whole bunch of things. And again, I didn't turn my weakness into a strength, but I turned the process of becoming better into a very strong strength. And so I guess that's more the, the way that I look at it. And I call it the virtuous cycle. Anybody can get better at anything using the virtuous cycle, which is identify your baseline, go and get expert advice, then go and take action, then get expert feedback, go and take action, get expert feedback, identify a new baseline, repeat. And if you do that, whether you want to improve your juggling skills or comedy skills or speaking on stage skills or writing skills or coaching skills, anything, you can get better at anything with that cycle. And that really is applicable to anybody. I mean, that, anybody, that, anything, that, anybody, anything, anywhere. anytime. Yeah, because there is somebody that knows better than you or is a little bit further along the process and they've likely tackled something similar and if you want to learn, if you want to get better at juggling, you're going to find somebody that's a great juggler and you're going to ask for feedback and then you're going to make some changes and then you're going to try it out. Uh, and that does apply whether you're uh, an account executive doing outside sales or um, in a tech startup or, you know, um, sort of mid-level at Amazon. I'm in Seattle, so that's, you know, a, oh, a, lot, yeah. of my, a lot of my clients are, are Amazon uh, and oh, Microsofties, cool. um, there's ways to get better and finding and identifying. I like that. Can you give us that cycle again? Um, a little bit slower yeah, so that yeah, people definitely. are taking so, notes. You know, we could break it down. Like, all right, listen, I want to become better at, uh, you know, getting clients on LinkedIn. Okay, great. So let's look at where you are right now. Well, you know, I've sent a hundred messages and, and I get, uh, zero replies or one client. Okay, great. So, the first thing you're going to do is go and get expert advice. So you can go and buy some courses, you can read some stuff, or you can actually talk to somebody, but you can actually like just learn on your own. And then you can go and do some stuff, take action. And then, then you need another person, an expert to give you feedback. And the person will give you feedback and look at your messages that you send, or maybe the content that you post and say, oh, you know, you should maybe do a little bit of this. You should do this here. I'm just going to change your script. Boom. Now you go and take more action. And then you have new results that you can either get feedback again on or you can say, all right, well, now I'm getting, you know, for every 100 people I connect with, I get seven clients. Great. I've improved. I'm going to go and get another course. So I'm going to go talk to another expert and you just keep on getting better and better and better going through that cycle, whatever it is you want to do. You can read about juggling, try it, then go to somebody who actually juggles and away you go. So it works. How do you think of... Um, what does balance mean to you? 
whatever somebody wants it to mean. There's, there's, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, listen, are you, are you happy with the way things are? Yes. Great. You got balance. Are you, ha are you happy and healthy? You know, are you happy and healthy with the way life is? No, I'm, I'm 40 pounds overweight and, uh, I watch too much TV. Yeah, but you, you don't work that much. So you must be balanced. You're not balanced. Okay. So listen, you, whatever you want balance to be, uh, you just make sure that it, it fits your stuff. And again, what it comes down to is your values and vision are, is your life in alignment with your values and vision? hundred percent, you know, like Michael Jordan, was he balanced? No, but he was the greatest of all time. Which one do you want to be? Yeah, right. I, I purposefully asked you that because I know um, everybody's opinion of that is, you know, work-life balance, you know, is, is making way for work-life integration um, and, and for the amount of people that, that work can work remotely, work from home, above and beyond entrepreneurs and freelancers is like this, like what, what is balance? And I think you've, I, I, I love your answer. If you're good and you're happy and you're, you're right where you want to be, then sweet, you're balanced. And if you're not, and if you're sitting there questioning every, every day and you're, and you're not sleeping at night because you're not living up to your potential, then clearly you're not balanced and it's up to you to make those changes. Yeah. yeah and, and it depends on what you you know, you, you, you could be living up to your potential at work, but not as a parent, right? You, you know, you could be the person who's on the phone all the time while you're with your kids and you know, it's wrong, but you, for some reason you're not, you're still doing it. And you know, that's keeping you up at night instead of, you know, whether you're going to make bank, uh, payroll tomorrow or something like that. So just again, say what, say what you're going to be and then go do what you're supposed to do in order to be what you said you're going to be. That's it. Yeah. So simple. Craig, where can people find what's the best way to engage with you, connect with you? What's, what are you working on now that you'd really like people to know? Uh, the best ways to find me are Instagram at real Craig Valentine. And then anybody can email me. I got Craig at godfather.com. So that's really easy to, to remember. So I, I like email. I actually really like email because most of the time I open my email, there's something good in there. Uh, so I don't have a problem with email. Um, and then, so I'm working on the perfect week formula, the unstoppable book, which is my latest book, just became a wall street journal bestseller. So that's pretty cool. And then I have, um, I have, uh, my coaching program for high performing, high performing entrepreneurs and, uh, some CEOs and executives as well. So it's mostly about making them more money and helping them work, uh, 10 hours less through strategic reduction of, of, uh, 10 hours that they can then go and actually work those 10 hours, but it's like get rid of 10 hours of stuff that you shouldn't be doing so that you can go and spend those 10 hours in a better way in your life, whether you want to spend them with your kids or whether you want to spend them writing a book or whether you want to spend them growing another business. So that's essentially what I, what I do and want to help people with. Love it. So I like to close out each podcast with a fill in the blank. If you'll indulge me to, to finish the sentence, please. Hmm. everyone would benefit from knowing stoicism oh 100% for sure yes nice. what, what are like what's like a couple of your favorite answers to that question um uh, uh good question um I like 
I've heard uh, yourself. Everyone would benefit from knowing yourself like, or one's self. Um, I've heard everyone would benefit from knowing what's going on in their gut. Um, I've heard everyone would benefit from knowing that they can take their own health into their own hands. Um, the, the, the best answers are about taking control of your life and your mental framework, how you think about yourself, how you think about your life. And for those of us that know how stoicism <clears throat> is positioned, it's, it's the same thing. It's like, are you, are you unfuckwithable? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. are you, yeah. you know? Yeah. Cause yeah, that's true. That's no, those are good answers. Those are really good answers. I think the first one that you mentioned was, is that is stoicism essentially. Yeah. Knowing yourself. Well, Craig, thank you so much for being a guest on today's episode of the Optimal Performance Podcast. Yeah, good times, Sean. Good times. You got a good show. And uh, I always say that the quality of the show is proportional to the quality of the questions. So you're very good at this. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And that's that. Good, man. And as promised, another quality episode of the Optimal Performance Podcast. You know, Craig's wisdom and his vision and his focus are so admirable. And for a guy who executes at the level that he does and helps guide other people to be their best selves, especially in business, um, we we have a lot to learn um, from people with this level of sophistication in their systems. And um, yeah, on that note, you know, understanding that, that Craig is a coach, um, I, as a coach, also want to give you uh, a special offer. If you are looking to make an upgrade in your life in mind, body, spirit, or purpose, hit me up. I'm going to offer everybody a free 15-minute coaching call. I haven't done this before because I was a little bit worried that it was going to be packed. But if you're interested, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email, sean at seanmccormick.com, and we'll get a 15 to 30 minute session booked for you. If any of those areas of your life you feel like you're not meeting your potential or you feel like it's it's lacking in any way, let me know. I'd love to hear from you. It's it's my purpose, much like Craig's, to help people be their best. It's a fun business and it's really inspiring for us too. It's work that I love doing. So hit me up, go to seanmccormick.com and uh, send me an email.